Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Real Talk. I'm your host, GrayFox247. I'm here once again with my co-host, I'm Kylie. And today we are talking about childhood trauma. So, how does that make you feel, Kylie? Traumatized. How about you? Traumatized, always. Well, it's it's an interesting subject to talk about, I think. We we've we've brushed upon it in our other podcasts. Um I did not think about using this as a subject, but until re- just today. But I'm kinda glad we're gonna talk about because it, it is a uh, it's just interesting. Well, think, we discussed it. We discussed it a long time ago, and I think we wanted to, like... Expand on it. Well, I remember we wanted to wait for the right timing. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... It is a little bit of, of like, a touchy one for some people. Mm-hmm. Because for some people, they can't even cope. Like, oh, yeah. talk Well, there's, a, there's different forms to trauma, uh, you know, childhood trauma, anyway. It could be... As simple as getting yelled at, and it's just imprinted in your brain, your subconscious, and you carry it over as an adult, or it can be as huge yeah. as just being straight up abused by a parent, you know. And so it's kind of interesting. I, I, so, like, what would you classify as just childhood trauma? Like, just anything that most people have probably been through. I think you could define trauma mainly. Childhood trauma. I think that it's like I think trauma is a perception, mm-hmm. but it can also be like a definite like physical thing. Yeah. Uh, which is not always like perception, like like physical, obviously. But I think a lot of what trauma is is perception. So, like, <clears throat> this, is, this is actually a really good example. Okay, so this is going to get really deep, really fast. Sorry, guys. Um, if you, okay, you got two girls, right, raised in different families. Mm-hmm. Both of them go through a very similar, sorry, 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 but great situation. And one of them is taught that it's dirty. And that, you know, it's a shameful thing. Even even if they're just being taught that, you know, if someone does this to you, it's wrong, it's bad, don't let them do it, 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 it. you know, and there is wisdom about discussing things like that with a with a child because they do need to know that, you know, if someone's touching them inappropriately and they don't want that or or it's just like not okay, yeah. then they need to help. But like they don't need to know that it's bad or that it's that you think it's dirty or that it's wrong because what, what we learn as children is that bad and wrong and like like negative connotative words are usually followed up with some form of punishment via be it like like a physical punishment following after or it's an emotional punishment. So, and, and that can be classified as, you know, neglect. So, like, it's like, oh, bad, you did, you, you did that wrong or whatever. And then, it, you know, the parent doesn't speak to the child because they're in trouble. So they'll turn their back and they'll ignore them. Or, um, 
it, it comes in all, all kinds of forms. It can be over aggressive and loud, like like really loud noises to a child because their ears are so new or amplified. Yeah. So what we hear as maybe not so loud, they hear is like holy crap. Mm-hmm. So, but like back to like the original situation, you have one girl that has learned that way. And then you have another girl who's been through the same situation who learned a completely different way. And she was told relatively the same thing, you know, don't let somebody touch you like this. But she was not told that it was wrong or that it was bad or that it was dirty or like any kind of negative imprint on the situation. It was just, if someone touches you here or if this happens, you do this. There was no imprint of any emotion, period. So really, it's all in what we say. Like most, all in what we say. Like obviously if there's physical abuse, that's a whole different level of trauma. Yeah. But like, like mental, emotional abuse is all in what we say and how we say it. Yeah, I like how you said that, too. Yeah, because it really is, it could be the simplest thing. Uh, I mean, like, huh? Oh, sorry. Just to, like, finish up the little situation, like, one girl is going to process her rape situation far different than the other. The girl who got taught that it was dirty and that it was wrong, that it was a bad thing, even if she's just being taught that it shouldn't happen to her. Because of what you're saying. She's going to imprint that she's dirty and she's bad and she's wrong. Mm-hmm. Versus the other girl who's going to automatically come to her own conclusion that it's wrong. Because she was told if someone does this, you do this. And it's usually a, a distress signal. Right, because we all, we all as children learn certain distress signals, cry, scream, wail, like flailing about with our limbs. <laughs> so, it's so like, that's, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, that's, that's what trauma is to me, like, at its most basic form. That makes sense, though, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how, like, we, we develop a lot of, a lot of stuff during our childhood, because, I mean, that's when we're all just learning things, right? Uh-huh. We get older, we're, we're learning right from wrong, we're usually learning from our parents, and other influences like friends, and during that time, that's when we develop a lot of insecurities as adults, like, depending on, like, what has gone, what you've gone through throughout your childhood. So, like, for instance, like, abandonment issues. Uh, How could you explain abandonment issues, actually? I actually have dealt with abandonment issues for a very long time. Okay. Um. Oh, my gosh. How do I explain it? Oh, my gosh. This is so big. (laughs) I think the beginning of it starts with an instillment of lack. Okay. 
does that have to, first of all, instill in you that you are in a state of black? And you, you get this via numerous things. You can get it from a, a neglectful parent, or a parent who is preoccupied with other things. Mm-hmm. They'll pick you up as much. They, they train you to really self-soothe like the moment you're out. Um, <clears throat> parents that don't bond with their children. Um, children that have mental uh, ineptabilities that cause them to not really be able to socially um, mesh. Okay. As well as, as you know, your, your average person, I guess you could say. Um, so I'm trying to, like, you know, without, like, offending anybody. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's, there's a lot of reasons why that could happen. Well, I'm glad you said a lot of that, actually, because most people would probably think, oh, like, being left at a grocery store or something, or being left at home by yourself, like, as a really young child, though, or or just straight up being left in a dumpster, which I know that's dark, but, Uh I mean, that does happen, that's like, that's a young baby, but, but, still subconsciously, even as a baby, you will develop this stuff, and this is stuff, like, I mean, like, as, I mean, heck, me and you have talked about this so many times, just because of, like, our own issues, you know, and how, uh, how we, uh, have to deal with some of that, like, just insecurities and lack of confidence, at least on my side, you know, and. You instill lack, yeah. Yeah, you just. All of you under lack. You don't, you, you don't have something. You're missing something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not just as simple as being left somewhere. It's it is lack of love, lack of attention, all kinds of stuff. And then you. It's just like abandonment is is a dependency, and then realizing that you are in the state of lack, but still in dependency. Mm-hmm. You don't have it, but you need it. Yeah. Okay. And and it's not there, and it was there, and you knew it was there. And it's gone. Mm-hmm. That's like it. Well, since so you kinda... if you've it, it's there. You don't know why it's gone, but it's gone. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And yeah. that is that really like the heart of an abandonment issue. And it, it pops up in people's relationships. It just pops up in mine. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've dealt with a lot with stuff like that, where it's like. Oh my gosh, did this person love me? Like, I, I really didn't feel it over them, but like, oh, like, mm-hmm. really, I mean, if you realize it, so a lot of people think that a ring is a shield. It's not. A marriage, a paper, a ring is not a shield for someone's free will to leave. So right there, you're dealing with an abandonment issue if you have any kind of negative attachment to that. If you're like, if you feel bad about that, that's that's an abandonment issue right there. So like, if you ever feel bad about a partner leaving, you have an abandonment issue. Or heck, just being clingy too. Like uh-huh. super, super clingy. I mean, like, I understand every relationship should have a little bit of that, but there are 
Sometimes it gets a little hardcore. <laughs> or you cannot leave that person's sight. You have to be attached to the hip, you know? Like, yeah, like I... <laughs> like you cannot go anywhere. It's it's a literal ball and chain. Which I hate using that example, like in marriages and stuff, but... It's almost what it, like, what it is, you know? You're, you're in... You're her prisoner or his prisoner. <laughs> yeah, the people who can't let you, like, have friends or, like, speak to other people or they're, like, worried about, you know, all the time what you're doing at work. But I think it's a little natural, you know, at certain points to, to question. You know, even if there's just been a lot of time that's gone by and you're, like, you've had ample opportunity, I'm sure. So, like, mm-hmm. have you? You know, because yeah. like, I mean, you want to put up your with them when you're with them because there's a reason. And if there's a reason and you saw there's a reason, someone else is going to see that reason too. Yeah, yeah. So, like, people, I think, naturally have a little bit of distrust for others because there's always free will. Mm-hmm. But, like, go ahead. That's like, that's like, Kind of falls under an abandoned initiative, like, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, so since we kind of, or I guess you you had brought it up earlier with the abandonment stuff, uh, so with neglect, did you ever have to deal with any neglect in your life? A lot. A lot? A lot. Okay. Um, so what kind of neglect did you have to deal with growing up, and how have you, how do you deal with that as an adult now? I don't know. You're asking a really big question. <laughs> I like it, but like... I know, like, this is, this is a deeper one. Okay, repeat the question for me again, because I want to answer it correctly. Okay, so let's start with the first one. So it was like, it was two questions in one. So like, first, uh, what kind of neglect did you have to deal with as a kid? Okay. And how did I deal with it? How do I deal with it as an adult, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was the second part. Okay. What kind? I don't know about what kind. Who's from? I know. Okay. What kind of neglect? All, all time. All, like, all. <laughs> um, I've basically experienced neglect in probably every portion of a relationship that you can think of. Okay. Whether it's parental, friendship, romantic, self. Teachers, years, strangers. <laughs> like really, I mean, honestly, that that speaks uh, a lot. No, it does. By the way, I didn't mean to chuckle. You you said teacher, and it made me think of one of your YouTube videos. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, you want to know what? Okay, so this is a form of neglect from a teacher. This is a good example. Mm-hmm. I was placed in the wrong grade, quite literally. Really? I was placed, yeah, I was placed in all classes that were a grade above me. 
and I had yet to experience the grade that I was about to be put in. So technically, two grades above me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. None. I had never been taught any of that stuff. And I was literally winging it. So like six months in, they're looking at me and they're like, why are you not up the par? Like, this is horrible. They're like, you're getting like D, D classes on everything. Mm-hmm. Which, I, for not knowing any of it was pretty freaking good. But, they, like, their understanding was that I was supposed to be in that grade. Yeah. And, like, that's a long story. I switched schools from state is a big long story. But, like, not very close to it. Um, so, I had a teacher who pulled me aside, pulled me into an empty room. Mm-hmm. And it was the room that was, like, like used for storage, but was also her office. It was, it was like, a big room. Mm-hmm. So... The portion that was her office, she had a big desk and, like, she had two chairs, one set up on each end. So I was in the class from her, and what she told me was, I, I don't know what all we were talking about. I never talking about my grades and stuff like that. But <clears throat> her, her way of teaching me was neglectful in this form because she told me, she was like, you... She asked me, like, what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I was like, I don't know right now. Like, I don't know right now. And she was like, well, I just want to tell you right here and right now that you're not going to be able to to get by on just your looks. And I was like, (laughs) "Mm -hmm." with me. And, like, I mean, honestly, okay, so I I was a terrible child of this. (laughs) So I, I, (laughs)
like, we don't have to call it neglect, we don't have to call it anything but hurt. And, like, just, like, yeah, it's hurt. Yeah, just hurt. <laughs> I was trying to think that there was, like, maybe a better word for it, but I was like, no, it's just hurt. And I, I go back and I literally, like, I defend her. I defend the little me and I'm like, I, I do what I wish my parents would have done. So that reaction right there, my mom didn't pull me out of that school. Hmm. Well, I go back in time and for that example, the older version of me stands up for the little version of me. And I will act out every single moment by moment by moment that I remember. I'm like, nope. This is how it's going to be. I'm going to yank her out. She's mine. Like, you are not going to disrespect her like that. She is beautiful. And if she wants to, she can buy on any of those books. Mm, yeah. And if that's the profession that she wants to get into, I hope she freaking soars. <laughs> Like, honestly, like, that's what I do. I go and I fix her little heart. It's, yeah, it's, I actually have done a little bit of that myself. And it helps a lot. Yeah, it, um, gosh, I, I, I'm gonna bring up Till Swan. We haven't brought her up in a little, a little bit. She does talk um, about stuff like that, like how you basically have to relive the moment. Or, yeah. or sometimes um, just give yourself that an experience that you never uh, something you were lacking from your childhood. So you have to kind of give yourself that same experience as an adult by reenacting something, which that can go as far as like being a baby in a womb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've like, done some of that. Mm -hmm. I I can't remember. I, I remember like listening to that i can't remember why she, the her client had to do that she had to face something but she had to like she had a bad trauma that happened around that time she, like seriously she actually says that she she will try to explain to you that coming out of the womb period is traumatic for a baby like yeah that makes sense actually <laughs> your, your mom your freaking home is evicting you mm-hmm and then all these bright lights, loud ass noises, like, that's so scary, dude. I can't remember exactly, there, there was something she had to, that happened as a kid that had a, she had to go back and basically pretend she was a baby in the womb, and how she did that was, yeah. she basically made a, a blanket fort in the shape of a womb and would, like, sleep in that. I believe, and then cuddle herself up really tightly every night to get over some sort of trauma. And I always thought that was kind of interesting because I was like, huh, that, you know, like it sounds weird. It sounds really weird, but it also makes a lot of sense. Because if you're lacking you know something that? that you can no longer really, you can't, because like, as you put, you can go back in time in your mind, but you can't physically go back in time and give your childhood self that experience. Um, so you have to like basically improvise as an adult in order to heal from what that, uh, trauma, trauma to say, uh, sorry, that trauma was, Ugh, goodness, I can't talk guys. That 
so crazy that you say that because they literally have an anxiety blanket that is weighted and it's big. Like, it's, like, huge. I've seen it. Just I've seen wrap yourself in it like that. So that is crazy. And I actually, I thought it's funny because I never thought of this, but, like, you know how many blankets I have mm-hmm. on my bed. Like, there is a ton. And it's straight up for the weight. I've been doing this since I was a kid. So I was always a seriously anxious kid. Mm-hmm. And I literally just did that just just to do it. Because, like, it, it felt like a hug. And mm-hmm. I still do it. But that's also another. That's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like, I do something similar, except I'm, I'm basically hugging my blanket. <laughs> it was interesting. I always have to be like, I have to be like on my side when I'm sleeping, and I have to have something there that I can grip onto. Yeah, me you know, too. Not always the blanket, like some because like obviously during winter it's gonna get a little colder, so I want my blanket around me. But I might have like another blanket that will bundle up, and I'll use it basically as a body pillow, which sounds weird, and honestly don't know where that comes from, guys. But that's something I do. And it's interesting. Okay. Oh, check out all these behaviors because we are not the only people that do this. Mm-hmm. How many people do this? And then think about how many people sleep alone and how disconnected that is. That is childhood drama. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, some of the stuff we're talking about here, like, I actually, the more I read, the more I realize this is actually very normal. Like, those little things, like, having a pile of blankets on top of you or, like, cuddling up with a blanket or something, you know, it is very normal. Just no one wants to talk about it. And... Like, like naturally wanting to snuggle things and have warmth and have a body next to you mm-hmm. is even more natural. And we do, like, think about how many single people there are who don't sleep with anybody. There are people who straight up, dude, there are people who make money off of snuggling with people because it is that much of a desire and a really? need. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Huh. And think about that, dude. Like, think about the disconnect. Like, that is childhood trauma at its absolute finest. Mm-hmm. Think about how many people in the world are, like, sleeping alone right now. And it's not to say that they're not happy or whatever. Like, but like, still, like, there is a, even if you're, like, okay with being alone, there's still, like, as you said, a lack of connection there, and you just want something there, you know? Like, even if you're happy being alone, you still want someone there, you know, because loneliness is, like we talked about, this was, is loneliness an epidemic, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's, you just need that connection, even if it's with something that's just, it's just an object. <laughs> like there's adults that still own stuffed animals for that reason too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm gonna carry this over. So we are getting ready to run out of time, but I want to talk mm-hmm. about one more thing before we wrap this up, and I actually want to talk about bullying or b- bullies and victims of bullies. And how that can affect you as an adult. And I know me and you have talked about this a little bit. So you, you've been, you've been bullied yourself. Um, has that carried over 
as an adult, like some of that stuff that's happened? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I don't know if you get bullied, though. Mm. Well, I think, like, bullying for me was, like, an understatement. Mm. Um, I grew up in a large school. And so I had a lot of ties because I was very different, and I was also um, one of the fastest, if not, like, the fastest girl who matured for my age. So, um, I was very much noticed. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> um... And, and I had a lot of male attention, but it was not the kind of male attention that you would, like, send your daughter into if there was a crowd of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had a lot of rumors, and, and, like, with a lot of male attention, you get a lot of girls that get really irritated by that. Mm-hmm. By irritated, I mean, like, vicious. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, they start to whisper, and then they start to shout. <laughs> and the shouting becomes people getting aggressive about it, and physical about it, and <clears throat> I had crowds of people that were like that. And like, when I mean crowds, I do mean crowds. Okay. Like, where at least... You know, uh, I'd say about three separate crowds of about 30 plus. Some were like probably around 60 people. Wow. And I had three, yeah, three separate crowds that would all, like, they would all be sitting um, along these, these benches of the school. And it was a pretty large hallway, and it was just during our, our lunch mm-hmm. section. Because there were two sections like that because the school was so big. So, um, there, there was a lot of people. There was a lot of people. I have a lot of eyes on you. And when you have all that going on, people get very, 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 very physical with you. And it is not that. And... I had things said and done to me that, like, some things will probably honestly never go away. Um, like, go away, but, like, like I can come to terms with them, but, like, none of it will never go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other things become, obviously, like, more of a blur. And then, you know, the rest of it is just kind of... I think an observation, like you know it happened, you know it's there, but there's like, like when you think about it, it, it makes you a little sad, but it's the other stuff that is like, like the bigger, more meaningful thing. Mm-hmm. So I have friends who eventually started tagging in on this. Okay. So I think that was like the part that stung, like the most out of, out of a lot of it was I had a lot of like really good friends started tagging in and like viciously tagging in like also doing things themselves to to change my life mm-hmm. and 
I, I had gotten to a point where I had no friends. Mm. So, and I think that sparked up a very lonely stretch for me. A very long one, too. Mm. So, yeah, I think a lot of that carried into my adult years because of, of just all of it. I became very distrustful of people. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I know, like, for me, like, I got, I mean, I was never hardcore bullied. I, I can I can only think of, like, one kid that was going above and beyond, but even that wasn't that bad, at least not to me. Like, he would spit on me, but that was, like, the yeah. worst of it. Um, but, like, I didn't know you spit on. Huh? I said, I honestly didn't know you got spit on, because I know you and I have talked about, like, because I got spit on, but I didn't know you did. Oh yeah, like it was just by this one kid though. It was so it wasn't like a group of people or anything. It was just um so like as I've talked about before, I've lost a lot of weight, but throughout my childhood I'd always been that fat boy. So like that was the one thing of course everyone made fun of me for. Like, oh he's fat, he's fat, he's fat, you know, and and there there came to a point where like as a kid, even I was just like, Ah, whatever, that's old <laughs> You know, but there was one kid that would consistently every day after school we'd go the same direction walking home and he would relentlessly like make fun of my weight and then kind of walk up to me just spit spit in my face or like on my shirt and stuff like that and weirdly enough like I I honestly just took it like I, I would like say stuff back to him I wasn't very good at it. You know, like, I really wasn't. Like, I... I, I wasn't either. <laughs> I, I had no comebacks or anything. Like, I, I did get something that... Which is weird now, like, but this is us as kids, you know? Like, so his, his name... It, it almost rhymed with Candy Cane. So I started calling him Candy Cane. Plus, he colored his hair a lot. This was around the time, like, Eminem was getting big. So, like, he had that M&M look, you know, he had, like, the highlights and everything, and he'd color his hair, like, there was one point he was, it was pink hair, pink, it had pink and green highlights, I mean, so he had blonde, and then, like, the pink and green highlights, and I started calling him Candy Cane, and he, uh, that's something he responded to very, like, even though it's, like, it's a really dumb insult, right, it's a really dumb nickname, but he, for some reason, that, that offended him. He did not like Candy Cane. So, like, I found my niche where I was like, okay, I got you now. So, I would call him Candy Cane all the time. But weirdly enough, this kid. <laughs> what's, yeah, he did not like it. Um, what's weird is, like, <clears throat> so this would happen consistently every day after school. Um, it was him and his cousins. Like, he had a group of people with him that would kind of just follow along. And one of them was his cousin. And he was younger, like at least a couple of years younger than us. And mm-hmm. I cannot remember what happened, actually. I actually, so like this one day, this he was making fun of me and then his cousin was with him. And then he like did something to his cousin. I can't remember if he pushed him to the ground or if he was just saying shit to him. But it was really weird. But I ended up defending that kid. Weirdly enough, and he would make fun of me too. But I stepped up, I was like, "Hey, no, leave him alone, man. Like, hey, if you want to come after something, you come after me. Like, he's just a kid. Like, he's younger than us, you know." And 
that cousin ended up befriending me. <laughs> like, his parents, like, invited me over for dinner and everything because of that. So I ended up becoming really good friends with him. And then later on down the road, like, Candy Cane, I was continuing to call him that. Like, he showed up back into town. Like, cause he ended up moving away for some reason. And he came back into town. And he was wondering why I was hanging out, hanging out over there. And then his parents, like, lectured him. He's like, yeah, like, uh... They became really good friends because you may f- you pushed him over and he defended him and now they're really good friends over that, and I ended up becoming yeah. friends with Candy Cane later on. <laughs> so it was a really weird situation. I found that happening quite a bit actually throughout my life. So like, as I was going through high school, like I would still get made fun of for my weight or whatever. You know, there's always really dumb jokes. There was only one other time that where where it really did hurt, and it was because it was a friend of mine that kind of turned on me. Like, he found his core group of friends, his, his skater buddies. You know, he he didn't really fit in with us. We're, like, I was with a group of, like, nerds. We were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! at the park, and that's how we met him. But he needed friends, so he, like, came over and introduced himself to us. And that's how we became friends. But then when we went to start going to school again, because that was during the summer, he found his core group of skater buddies, and then he just kind of turned on me and started making fun of me. And, and that hurt a lot. You know, that was probably the worst of it ever because like that was something where i actually physically starved myself because i i was really ashamed of my weight because of like a friend just turned on me because i i was fat you know at least that's how i took it at the time yeah like, <laughs> but i, I kind of handled a lot of bullying just with with kindness or i would joke or i would say something back to him like i started standing up for myself and they came but i never did fight anyone Funny enough, that that never, that never did happen. But then, like last couple of years of high school, like it just no one messed with me. Like in fact, I got along with pretty much everybody, other than the occasional fat joke, you know. But then that was it. Anyway, so I kind of went on and on about that. Uh, we did go a little over, but I wanted to get that part in at least the bullying because I know that's a big issue of like these days, especially. Yeah, yeah, people are still, like, really reacting to that stuff. Mm-hmm, and it, it's but something that... Today, um, there's a documentary on Columbine. It's actually, like, I had, I had a friend's son who was, who was in that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I was born in Denver. I, I did all kinds of shows at Columbine, stood right there, like, it's crazy. That is, yeah, that's freaky. But, yeah, um, so, what kind of challenge should we give them today, Kylie? Have any ideas? Go freaking heal. Go heal. (laughs) Yeah, go heal yourself. Pardon my beauty voice. Go heal your friends, heal your wives, your sons, your daughters, your husbands your mom, dad, just go freaking heal all the little inner baby child in yourself and pass it on because, damn it, this world is getting ridiculous. It's getting crazy, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I'm, glad no, you, I'm, I'm glad you said that challenge, but that's something I had in mind, too, so that's, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Guys, this has been fun. Thank you so much for coming back on, Kylie. Um, yeah, every weekend. Like, basically every weekend. 
pretty much. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, this has been fun. I'll see you next week. Bye.